Hey guys, it's KJ with Living Christian. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, what we do here is pretty simple. I read a chapter of the Bible, drink a little bit of coffee, and talk a whole lot about Jesus. We read a chapter of the Bible, discuss it along the way, and afterwards I'll be answering a few questions. If you want to watch this live, being recorded live, we do it every Monday and Friday on Instagram Live. Look me up over there. It's just living underscore Christian. Uh, and you can join in as we record this every Monday and Friday. So if you miss any of these episodes, you can watch them on YouTube. Listen to them everywhere that you have podcasts. I appreciate you sharing this with a friend. Maybe they need to watch or listen to it. It'd be great. Also, maybe drop a rating or review. Whether you're listening to it on Apple or Spotify or wherever, or you're watching it on YouTube, it helps me get the word out. If you share that, rate it, and review it, I appreciate it. Make sure you check out uh, livingchristian.org, which is my website. There we have Bible verse lists, blogs, a whole apparel store. Uh, has all sorts of coffee mugs and t-shirts and hoodies and all sorts of good stuff. Make sure you use the code PODCAST20 while you're there, and that'll give you 20% off your entire order every single time, exclusive for my podcast listeners. So I uh, appreciate you joining me. I hope you love it. I hope you get something out of it. Uh, join me on Mondays and Fridays if you'd like to on Instagram. Till then, let's check out the newest episode. All right, welcome to a, another um, uh, edition slash uh, you know episode of the Bible reading and coffee drinking uh, live here on Instagram or afterwards. If you miss it live on Instagram, you can hear it on uh, the podcast, which you're probably listening to right now, possibly, or on YouTube. I put these videos on YouTube. You can watch them if you want to see uh, this uh, this ugly face here. Uh, but read along with me. We're going to read John six today. So John six is all about. You know, that middle part of, of Jesus' ministry where he's feeding the 5,000, he's walking on water, he's talking about him being the bread of life, and, and kind of getting the disciples prepared for uh, what's coming, right? And he's going to do a little prophetic uh, words here at the end where he's going to talk about, you know, kind of what's going to happen to him pretty soon. Uh, so he's kind of preparing those disciples. He's kind of bolding out there all of a sudden with his miracles. You know, if you if you read the first part of John or the first part of any of the Gospels, he's kind of um, not wanting to spread because he knows what's coming, but he wants it, the timing to be right. And this is kind of where he jumps ahead with defeating the 5,000, okay? And, and after that, it's kind of all, all bets are off, so to speak. So let's have a sip of coffee, and we'll dive into John 6. All right, Jesus feeds the 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the scene of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with the disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. <laughs> Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Of course he knew, right? Verse 7, Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is it with this huge crowd? They're always kind of, you know, it's interesting. Sorry to stop for a second. It's always interesting if you read through the Gospels, the disciples they, they weren't perfect, for, for sure. <clears throat> they, you know, you had doubting Thomas, but they all had a little bit of doubt. Jesus had to describe to them constantly his parables and, and, and get them to understand um, what he was talking about half the time. So even in this, Jesus is laying the groundwork to show his miracle, and he knows what's coming, 
But even that, they're like, you know, what good is, you know, two loaves and or five loaves and two fish? I'm not going to feed everybody. They're, all, they're already kind of doubting that Jesus can make things better. All right, verse 10. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So I'm going to stop there once again. Sorry. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So everybody thinks this is about the 5,000, but it's legit probably 12,000 people around him between men and women and children, at least 10,000, right? Uh, and, and, and so this is a huge crowd. Imagine a, almost a, a football stadium full of people that have gathered around him to hear him preach. So his ministry is in full full mode right now, okay? So 12,000 or so actually probably showed up more than likely. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that none is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. So a couple of things to note here. One is, of course it's 12, right? So they, and we've talked about in these episodes before, the numerical values used throughout the Bible have meaning. 3, 7, 12. They all have meaning. They're all correlated to each other. And this, in this aspect, they filled 12, right? So they filmed the extra. Jesus knew what was coming. And he saw the, you know, somewhere between 5,000 and 15,000 people, more than likely, gathering around, forcing him to be king, is what they said. Force him to be king. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be king, right? He already knew he was king. But what they were doing was pushing him to the forefront of the movement at that point. And was he ready to do that? He retreated back to the hills by himself. He's still playing this game a little bit and making sure that the timing is right. Just like every time God works in our life, he makes sure that the timing is right. So at times he feeds us. With breads, bread and loaves and fishes and everything, he takes care of us and provides us for our needs, and sometimes he has to revert back. So in our lives, there are times where God is working adamantly in our life to provide for us, and there are times that he takes a step back. Not because he doesn't love us, not because Jesus didn't love the 12,000 people watching him preach, it's because he wants to make sure the timing is right. Just like in our lives, God wants to make sure that the timing is right. All right, <laughs> sip of coffee and we'll dive in him walking on water. Verse 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got in the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept upon them, swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified. He called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were all eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. There's various accounts of the story, but it's, it's still interesting how they were afraid of what was happening. And they saw Jesus, and of course he took care of everything. Now he's going to talk about himself being the bread of life. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore, so on the other side, 
right, where they had gathered before. The farshers saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread, and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life of the Son of Man can give you, only that, that the Son of Man can only give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. They replied, We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent you. Okay, so I'm going to stop here just for a second. Jesus criticizes them or calls them out a little bit of like, hey, the only reason why you're following me is because I can give you things. Because I fed you. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. This is the only work God wants you to do. I love this line by Jesus in, in verse 29. The only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Period. Spend your time in your energy, not trying to get Jesus or God to take care of you or to give you things. Spend your energy and your time believing in the one that God has sent. Focus your time on Jesus, not because he gives you things, but because what he provides for eternity. All right, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna, while they journeyed through the wilderness, the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Always doubting Jesus, these people. <laughs> Verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But if you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me, however those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those who have given me, or he has given me, but I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who, who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Now listen to how they respond to this. Verse 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? He just fed them all. And he's telling them, okay, we're going to get back to that in a minute. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about this, what, about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I who has sent from heaven has seen him. <laughs> They're still doubting Jesus. The disciples doubt him. The people he just fed, and they just watched a miracle happen. 
doubt him. They don't understand. They're so looking for, they're so looking in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures of the past, in the literal interpretation of what they're reading, they can't understand what Jesus is saying. The reason why manna fell, bread fell from the sky to feed Moses and the Israelites, those people that were in Exodus, is because it was foreshadowing and foretelling Jesus coming down from heaven and providing and taking care of his people. And he describes it and tells it to them, and that analogy just goes right past them. They don't understand. They're murmuring in disagreement. They're disagreeing with Jesus. Even that, they go, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? They still don't quite grasp what they're seeing. 47. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has, who, I'm sorry, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die spiritually. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He, I mean, he can't get more direct than that. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer, so the world may live, is my flesh. They still don't understand. He's being so literal and figurative at the same time, describing what it takes to have eternal life. They, 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 they knew the story of Moses and the, and the manna falling from heaven. And then Jesus provides bread to them, all 12,000 of them. And then he comes back and says, you, you, do you like that bread? It nourishes you and gives you life? Let me tell you about the real bread of life. Let me tell you who I am and why I am here. If you believe in me, I am the living bread. If you believe in me, you will never have problems again. You will have eternal life. Okay? And there they go. What's their response to that? Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. They're so literal. They can't understand his analogies. Verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. He's foreshadowing the Last Supper, which we'll talk about in a minute. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but they will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. They don't understand the way Jesus talks. They don't understand his correlation. They don't understand his analogies. Even when he's taking his analogy and then explaining it to him, if you read some of the other Gospels, all of his parables and his stories he tells, there are times that he has to explain to them, explain those parables to the disciples, and even then, they don't understand him. And so he says, there's these thousands of people, I'm not sure how many people came over from uh, of those boats over to Capernaum, but they're questioning him, and he's telling them, okay, this is what I really mean, okay? 
this is what I really mean. You have to have a relationship with me. You have to believe in me. I am the bread of life. I am the one, the true one that has come from heaven to save you, to provide for you, to take care of you, and provide eternal life for you so that you will not die spiritually. He lays it out crystal clear. I mean, I don't understand it. <laughs> let's, uh, let's finish up here. Uh, many disciples desert Jesus. Uh, verse 60, many of, the, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? <laughs> Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Son of Man is a reference to Daniel. It's, that's Jesus, all right? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. All right, the, the, verse 63 is important. The spirit alone gives eternal life. He's not talking about physical eternal life. He's talking about spiritual eternal life, okay? Verse 64, but some of you do not believe in me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Because he already kind of knows what's going to happen with certain people. We'll talk about that in a minute. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to, to leave? So he had more than twelve what they considered disciples. Not the twelve disciples, but these other people that had been following him. Okay, That didn't understand, so they kind of left. They got confused and scared. So he turned to the original 12 and said, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would, where, would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He is speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. So there's a couple of things to talk about as we wrap up this chapter. One is Jesus has his, probably his largest miracle with feeding the 5,000, we call it, but it's obviously more than that we talked about. That's his largest miracle in the sense of not his most impactful, but the one that the most people experienced. And even then, he tries to give them an analogy of why he's given them bread and why Moses and the Israelites got manna and they don't understand it. Even to the point where some of the disciples left because they got confused and they didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't believe in him. So that's one thing we have to kind of take from John 6. The other thing is he's foreshadowing a little bit of what's to come. He talks about Judas being the devil and betraying him. He already knew who was going to betray him. He talks about the bread and the blood. Right? He's talking about and foreshadowing what's going to happen at the Last Supper. As he tells the disciples that this is my body, this is my blood, or this is, yeah, eat and, eat and drink and be with me. What we do now is communion, right? He's foreshadowing that already. So he's starting to kind of give them hints about what's to come. He's starting to kind of give them a little nuggets of, hey, you know, somebody's going to betray, betray me. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So it's interesting how, of course, Jesus knew what was going to happen, as we all know. But he's starting to kind of trying to let those disciples understand what's to come. And obviously, they don't even see it. 
Heck, most of them don't even understand what he's talking about, the bread of life, what they expect, understanding the foreshadowing of what's to come with his crucifixion and resurrection. So, anyways, that's John 6. It's kind of long, but it's a great one uh, if you haven't read the rest of John. Uh, but that's an interesting one. If you uh, if you watch The the Chosen, uh, they had a recent episode on that version of that. Um, so that's part of the reason. That was the season finale, I believe. Uh, part of the reason why I kind of read that today is because I recently watched that, and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to do that chapter. Uh, that's always fun to talk about. So anyways, okay. Uh, thanks for uh, listening and, and, and watching along on uh, John 6. Uh, if you have a question, uh, hit the question mark on the bottom. I'm going to answer a couple. It's already 825, so we got about five minutes here left. Uh, but I'm really, let me read a couple of questions and try to answer them the best I can. And uh, we'll get about our weekend. Hopefully you guys got big weekend plans. Uh, my wife and I are going camping. Uh, we like to do, get outside. Uh, it's supposed to be nice weather this weekend. I know it's the beginning of March, but we wanted to get out and get with uh, get in nature a little bit, which we like to do. All right, let's see what questions we have. Uh, <laughs> here's one that's not related to what we read, but that's okay. How many different coffee mugs do you have? Uh, I, I have no idea. I have I have a shelf of coffee mugs, and then I have a top shelf of Christmas coffee mugs. So, uh, you know, come October, November or so, we switch those shelves out to where I'll use Christmas mugs for a couple of months, and then the rest of the year I have. So uh, I have my favorites. Like, I have a Superman one and a Jurassic Park one that I love, mainly because they're big, uh, and I like a lot of coffee on a Friday morning. Uh, that's probably the main reason. And this one was sent by one of the followers, one of my followers. I have a Jurassic Park t-shirt that I got years ago, and I guess I had that on in one of my videos or so forth. And years ago, uh, so like a year and a half ago, um, somebody sent me this mug, so it's one of my favorites, because one of you guys sent it to me. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's total fantasy. It's fun, but it's, it's nice. Uh, all right. All right, so uh, have you seen the way the um, Chosen series portrays the feeding of the 5,000 and the whole Sermon on the Mount part of the Word? Yes, I have, Michael. I just kind of referenced that a little bit. The Sermon on the Mount was uh, good. I kind of wish, and I like the Chosen, uh, I kind of wish um, they would have just let a full episode of him just doing the Sermon on the Mount um, from start to finish, and they kind of had a lot of edits and cuts in there. Uh, it was good. Don't get me wrong. I loved it, but uh, it would have been nice just to watch that from start to finish. Um but it's interesting. I mean, Chosen, and we'll talk about Chosen for a second because it looks like if, uh, because of that, I've got like four questions, five questions on the Chosen. Uh, so uh, we've talked about this a little bit before uh, about the Chosen. I like the Chosen. I know that some people love it. Uh, some people don't. Um, it is a uh, it is a TV show. So um, it is based in biblical narrative. Uh, but yeah, there's some liberties in there. They're adding to the story and, and adding, um, you know, people and, and, and uh, situations that weren't necessarily referenced in the Bible. So take it for what it is. It's a great kind of um, um, biblical-based story. Uh, I love the fact of how they portray Jesus and the disciples. Uh, but it is just a TV show, so think about it that way. Uh, and if you haven't dove into the Bible and read a lot of the Bible yourself, and you're only getting your gospel from The Chosen, I would uh, ask you to watch The Chosen. It's a great show. But go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible so you can get the biblically 100% accurate story of Jesus that's in here. Uh, and, 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 and get your gospel from the, the Word and not from the screen. Uh, that would be what I would suggest that you do. But it's a great show. Uh, but um, it is a TV show. So it is, um, you know, that way. So, you know, take it as... Okay, one more question. 
And um, and then we'll uh, maybe maybe two more questions. Um, what scriptures can one read to fight anxiety? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there's a bunch. Um, I'm, I am 100% sure. Uh, if you go to my website, livingchristian.org, and under the Bible verse lists, I've got about 20 different lists there. One of them talks about stress and anxiety. I don't know how many Bible verses are on there, but take a look at that. And if you're dealing with some anxiety and some stress, um, go and uh, read those Bible verses. They're all laid out there. Uh, they're on the page, and um, you can check that out at livingchristian.org. So instead of me uh, you know, citing you or trying to remember you know, half a dozen ones off the top of my head, uh, go there. I've done research, and, and they're there as well. So read that on livingchristian.org. All right, one more question, um, and then uh, we'll go about our day. How does one connect with and hear the Holy Spirit? That is a tough question, but I'm going to take it. Um, how does one... Make sure I phrase this right, Shelly. Um, how does one connect with and hear the Holy Spirit? So let's start with the first thing. There's, you you ask about connection and about hearing. Connecting to the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The only way to do that is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Period. We have the Father in heaven. Jesus came down. Fully man. Fully God. Sacrifice saves us. He ascended back into heaven. And after that, if you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills you and guides you through your life. Now, how do you hear the Holy Spirit? It's a different question. Many people uh, equate it to you having a conscience, um, thoughts in your head, knowing right from wrong. Obviously, that is and probably is the Holy Spirit. The other way, just to be completely honest with you, you got to get on your knees and pray. Read the Bible as much as you can, the Word of God, but talk to God constantly. Hit your knees, pray. Pray formally if you want to. Like I pray in the mornings, I pray before I go to sleep. Every night I'm laying in bed, I, I say a prayer. But you know what? I pray all the time. There's plenty of times that I kind of just talk to God um, along the way, along my day. Okay, and so with that, the Holy Spirit will guide me because He is the one that is here with me. Jesus is here, but you got to think about it. And this is the Trinity; it can it can kind of get confusing. But it's three persons, but it's all one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one entity. So if you want to be close to God, you want to be close to Jesus, you want to be close to the Holy Spirit. Hit your knees, talk to them. In reality, just like any relationship, communication is the key. I've been married for 20-something years now. Communication is the key to any relationship. That's how you make it work. Talk to God. Listen to God. Spend some time talking to God, praying, but also spend some time in quietness and just kind of absorb and let Him speak to you in the ways that he does. Maybe it's verbally. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's through the Bible. Maybe it's through situations. Maybe it's through other people telling you things. Maybe it's a song on the radio that you hear at the right exact time. Maybe it's going outside and realizing the creation that he has given you. There's lots of ways to hear God speak to you. It's not always just audible to where you pray and all of a sudden he responds back. He responds in different ways, but you've got to be open to that. All right, that's my answer. All right, 
Let's say a quick prayer and then we'll go about our weekend. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us the gospel today, teaching us the word of how Jesus provided for all those thousands of people and tried to explain to them how he is the bread of life. We now have thousands of years to digest this, to understand and read and discuss and to help us make sense of it all. We truly believe that Jesus is the bread of life. We believe that you will provide for us here, but more importantly, in eternity. We know that this life is tough, but you want us to focus on our eternity and not just our daily struggles here. Just like the people that Jesus has fed the fish and the loaves to, sometimes all we can focus on is that daily need that we need to survive and to get through the challenges we have here in this life. We get too blinded by this world. And we don't have a good understanding that Jesus is the bread of life. He will provide for us eternal life if we believe in him. We fall into that trap just like those people did, and we're sorry for that. Please help us have the strength and the mindset to get past that and focus on the goodness of God. We love you and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a uh, great weekend. Read your Bible. Have some rest time. Get to church. Until Monday, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.